break and get the notes. All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a break, and I'll come back and talk about Eric the Actor. How's that? All right. Or do you not want to wait for the break? Do you have the notes? I mean, Eric the Actor. Um, yeah. All right. Here's the, here's the notes. So it started in 2006. Eric the Actor, because I didn't even remember this, Eric was begging me for a favor that would you know, require him to leave his home and travel to New York City. And so I told Eric, the actor, that I wanted him, I, I was toying with the idea that if Eric wanted this favor, that he'd have to mail himself to me. We were going to send him through the United States Postal Service in a box. Not by any form of transportation. Right, because, you know, I thought that would be funny. And meanwhile, they ship animals and stuff, I guess. So I, I thought that Eric could do it successfully, and Eric didn't want any part of it. Well, now in this day and age, we might not ever get Eric. Right. <laughs> By so, mail. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> now I, I wouldn't trust the U.S. Postal Service. I don't know what's going on over there. But anyway, so then I said to Eric, the actor, I suggested he fly to New York by tying 100 party balloons to his wheelchair. Now, obviously, that's absurd. But why I loved Eric, the actor, so much is I'd say, hey, Eric, I'll I'll do you this favor, but you got to get yourself here by tying a hundred balloons to your chair, and you'll float to New York. So instead of laughing about it, he'd go, "I'm not doing that. Are you crazy, Stern? I'm not going to do it." You know, like he thought I was for real, and that's why yeah, I loved him. Yeah, he thought so much. somebody was going to come and tie balloons to his chair. Yeah, and you know, well, here I, I pulled a clip so you could listen to it. This is Eric arguing with me about. He actually left a voicemail for Will or something. He was incensed that I suggested that he fly to New York with a hundred balloons. There's two things that will happen before I come in there and fly. Hell freezing over and pigs flying. There's not a damn shot in hell that I'm going to subject myself to that shit. For that big nose asshole of a boss of yours. Nope. Not going to do it. Yeah, Eric was afraid that he'd get sucked into the engine of a 747 if a plane flew by. <laughs> like, he took me for real. Like, I'm making jokes. I go, Eric, you know what? If you're going to come to New York, you got to fly here with balloons. And he, he just, he, he, he was like, are you crazy? I could get killed doing that. And then it, at some point I was negotiating with him. I said, Eric. How about you just come in the studio and I'll tie the balloons to you and you'll float around the studio. And then if once you feel safe, I'll open the window and you can fly out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the greatest ongoing shtick. Whenever he wanted something, I said, Eric, you got to fly with balloons. Yeah, this went on a long time. Yeah. Uh, I remember a few weeks later after I suggested it, um, we started a negotiation with Eric and his longtime manager, Johnny Frado. <laughs> and we and we tried to sweeten the deal by telling him that a full sized woman said she'd date him if he did the stunt. And Robin even compared the stunt to David Blaine, which is kind of ironic. Listen to this. Ooh. Eric, this would be like you you would be David Blaine. You would be doing your stunt and a beautiful girl would be there supporting you. That is true. I mean David Blaine got into a basically a bathtub and every hot chick on the planet was there and this hot chick is all of a sudden turned on by your fame and your your ability to fly. Let, let me tell you right now. I offered you a woman to have sex with. You, you said are no. You're the insane one for us bring that shit to me it's not going Gee. to happen not gonna happen this was How like, did like I come up with david blaine david blaine did take the idea robin suggested it <laughs> all i know is the fans used to always write eric and ask him if he was going to fly with balloons and he hated it until the day he died he really yeah. did he just didn't want to hear about it he goes it's ridiculous i'm not going to do that it's too dangerous well uh I, I was hoping that David Blaine would say he was doing this as a tribute to the memory of Eric the actor, but I didn't hear any mention of Eric the actor. No, he, he he's it. acting like he came up with this on his own. Blaine told uh, <laughs> David Blaine told Jimmy Fallon he got the idea from the um, remember the the movie we saw as kids, the Red Balloon, where the balloon floats yeah. through, and yeah, that's where he got the inspiration. I believe him. Come on, stop it, Robin. Don't be so. What? Come on, please. 
Man, we do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, for one, will be watching. I want to see David Blaine fly around with balloons. You don't think he's really going to do it, do you? Yeah, I do. I think you he think is going to do it. He will be flying supported by helium balloons. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. I believe. What, what do you think is going to happen? I think he's going to do it. I believe it's a trick. Well, it's a trick, but he's going to. Well, I don't know. I, I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see whatever it is he does. I'm a David I'll Blaine be watching, fan. But, oh, and yeah. you know, it, what happened to ABC specials? He's doing this on his YouTube channel. Yeah. You know what? People are making a lot of money, evidently, with these YouTube channels. I don't know yeah. how. I guess they sell their own advertising. I don't know. I didn't even I saw, know he had a YouTube channel. I guess this is the way to advertise it. Another guy who died was this guy we worked for for a while, Sumner Redstone. Yeah. Yeah. Sumner Redstone. He um, he owned, like, everything. Guy was a strange man. He was, you know, like... You well, just do you assume, think the money made him strange? I don't know. I think he was strange, and I think he actually ended up making money because he was strange. He was one okay. of these guys who just kind of uh, rolled with it. Like, I'm trying to remember his whole trajectory, but Sumner his Redstone. His father had some drive-in theaters. That's how it started. And the father, yeah. by the way, the father's name was like, um, let's see, I got an obituary here. Let me find it. Here it is. Yeah, remind me to talk about Alex Jones this morning. He's up to some funny shit. Yeah? Yeah. Here. Hold on. <laughs> I got to find it. I lost. I had the <laughs> Sumner Redstone obituary, but I don't see oh, it now. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know where is it, it is. Is it under the Eric the Actor? I hear it is. I found it. Yeah. <laughs> so th this is, he was 97 years old. He died. and um Yeah. The name, the name, the family name was Rothstein, but he it was too Jewy. Changed it to Redstone. The father changed it to Redstone because ah. it was too Jewy. You know, for those of you who think Jews get to own the world, no. In fact, if you wanted a job back then, you changed your name so no one would know you were Jewish because uh, you couldn't you couldn't get hired. But uh, anyway, they changed it to Redstone. And, um, you know, Sumner Redstone sounds like a blue blood aristocrat. If, oh, I mean, yeah. What a name. I thought he was a wasp. <laughs> yeah, but we work for this guy. And he um, he's one of these guys who went to Harvard Law School. He became, you know, he was a very bright guy. And he figured out how to take how to turn his father's drive in theaters into this huge media company. He owned at one point he was worth the, the companies he owned all in were worth 80 billion dollars. Yeah. 80 fucking billion dollars. And from the drive-in theaters, he actually parlayed it into owning Paramount Pictures. Um, they, you know, he owned like everything. He owned uh, CBS. MTV, CBS, MTV, Infinity Broadcasting. Yeah, That's how we ended MTV. up working for yeah. him. C CBS and Infinity Broadcasting. Um, you know, and he, he, he was, I mean, huge successes beyond. But he became it. I mean, to own all those things and to to be that successful, own Simon and Schuster. They the big blunder was Blockbuster Video. He bought that, right? But, you know, and that kind of tanked. But he owned a bunch of cable channels: Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV. I mentioned. Um, so the guy was super rich and super successful, and we worked for him. But we didn't like get to meet him and stuff because radio was just like a pimple on his ass. He didn't even give a fuck about it. You never met him. I met him in a restaurant one night. Right. But it was after we worked for him. No, ah. I was never like, I know, I never got brought up to his office to say hello to him or something like that. I was considered a small change, pocket change mm. to him. I met him once or twice at a tennis match. Yeah. I met him because at a restaurant. I, I, I used to go, CBS had a box and they used to, to um, they, they were the ones that showed the U.S. Open. So I used to go out there every year and he'd show up a couple of times and he said hello. Oh, he did? Yeah. yeah he probably took like the president. They brief him, you know, who's, who's in the room. Right, and, you know, right. And he, hello, Robin. And like, <laughs> you know, you looked at this guy and you go, wow, you know, sophisticated old guy. But then you'd hear stories like, 
I don't know if this was true or what, but he at one point was with a hooker in a hotel or something, and then the hotel caught on fire, and he had to hang with one hand, one hand holding onto a ledge. This is how he lived. He would have died. Everyone died or something in the hotel, and he got burns all over, like 80% of his body. But when the fire department found him, he was like hanging outside. Still uh, hanging there. Uh, it's still hanging there. But was it a hooker? I mean, I had heard this. I don't know if it's true. I don't um, know the full story. You know the story, Gary? Because I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the story, and I've heard that there was something like that going on, but no one's ever been able to really prove that. The story that I heard about him later in life was when he was way older, maybe like three or four years ago, he had these two women living with him, and like the right side of his body was like paralyzed, and in order in order to get on top of them for sex, he would take his right arm and swing it as hard as he could so he could roll over on them. <laughs> I was like, there's a guy yeah. who really wants to get laid. And then I remember like his daughter, he sometimes he hated his daughter and sometimes he liked her, but then she ended up what? running. She ended up with all the shares of the company. I don't know what I, was going on. I read a great story. So basically what happened was Sumner took in these two women and they were, they were pretty sure one, he was going to marry one of them and they had worked it out that they were going to, you know, get all the money. And they were in the house and everything. And Sumner's daughter, she got in there. I was reading this article. Like she, she connected with the, uh, the housekeeper and a couple other people. She ended up getting this woman's text messages and saw that this woman was texting her boyfriend, basically saying like, Hey, we're very close to getting all the money. She got some sort of court order and, uh, the housekeeper told her when the women were out of the house, she got the locks changed. Wow. She got those women out and she got everything back. Good for her. Yeah, there were a few, you know, remember he was on a plane once and he was, you know, offering women, the stewardesses or the flight attendants money to just touch him or do anything. <laughs> and that's when you know you're really gross. Uh, I've got a lot of money and here's some money if you touch me. <laughs> well, I ran into him in a restaurant. Uh, this was while he was suing me. Yeah, we had left to come to Sirius Satellite Radio. It was a long story, but CBS decided to fuck with me. They were so pissed that I left that they sued me for no reason. I know I would have won in court. They said somehow I damaged them. There were no damages. They were doing just fine. That I went on the radio and talked about Sirius, but I had their permission to do it. But they said I, they didn't care. They were just suing me to do a nuisance lawsuit. They were angry, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Les Moonves decided he came up with this plan with his henchmen. And uh, he, um, he, you know, and, I, and I, I told you, I even went into Les's office and cried. I was like, Les, come on, dude. I just felt very betrayed. I'd done a pretty good job for that company. And I was just like, you guys are going to fuck me up now. And I got to go hire lawyers and I got to fight CBS. Are you fucking high? I mean, dude, come on. What, you know, give me. Yeah, I was like, I was crying like that. I, got, I welled up and I started crying. I was so embarrassed. But I was really pissed. I mean, I was like, shit, this is going to cost me a fortune. I'm going to have to go to court. I'm going to have to fight this shit. You know. But uh, I came up with a devious plan to beat that lawsuit. I fucked with that asshole last moon vest so bad. <laughs> he knew what was in store for him. I got word to him what was going to go down. If well, you did it on CBS. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, 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 uh, I got worried. Too. I had a, I had a three point plan and the third part was the worst. Right. So, but you uh, did go on CBS and, and yeah. talk about it on his own network. <laughs> I went on Letterman. Yeah. And, and he had decided he had enough. So he settled out the lawsuit real quick. Yeah. After the first punch, he yeah. went down. Yeah, he went down after the first punch, but, but, uh, I had a whole plan. I wasn't going to take this shit sitting down. But, uh, yeah, in the middle of this lawsuit where I was all upset, Sumner Redstone wa walks into this Italian restaurant. I'm sitting there with my wife. And um, he he didn't he, he was in pretty bad shape. He was an old man. But right, I was walking out, and he goes, yeah. Howard, Howard, Howard. I go, hey, dude. And he goes, um. Just saying hello and wishing you lots of success with your new venture at Sirius uh, Satellite Radio. You know, that's how you talk. And I went, oh, thanks, man. 
Thanks a lot. And I just walked away. I mean, I, I, it was obvious to me. He had no fucking he clue he was suing me. He wasn't even on this planet at that point. So I just was like, oh, fuck this guy. You know, I'll see him in court and he'll probably, you know, he's just fucking with me and he doesn't even know it. He's got such a big company. Right. Things are going on there that he never knows about, probably. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know how you start to believe that these guys know something because they're so successful? He didn't know jack shit. This is Sumner Redstone on an interview with Charlie Rose talking about how satellite radio isn't going to do well. This is how much he knew. Yeah, whatever vision he had was gone. (laughs) Yeah. Do you believe that satellite radio? Not a chance. And that's not just because Amazon runs it. You don't think satellite radio has a future? The reason is they keep losing money, losing money, losing money. The Howard Stern deal, yes, he left us. Right. By the way, I ran into him and he said, someday I'll be back. He was probably kidding. No, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I ran into him in a restaurant in New he York. He could have made a lot of money working for you guys, too. Well, he could make, he obviously was made, was given a much better deal. I'm not wishing Amazon bad luck. History is history. You know, without forgiveness, there will be no future. So, you so can... Mandela said. <laughs> so I wish, I wish, I really do wish him luck, but I think he has a no, big don't. road to haul before making XM Satellite successful. Well, he's as serious. I mean, serious, right. yes. Yeah, well, the guy's out of it. foretold the future, because it is XM Satellite now. <laughs> yeah, first of all, Mel Karmazin had the last laugh because satellite radio is thriving and yeah. doing really well. And you can see he was obsessed with Mel. So oh, like, yeah. I, Karmazin. I don't wish Karmazin, Karmazin. They, they, yeah. they kind of disrespectful. You're on the Charlie Road. Karmazin, Karmazin. You fuck. You don't have enough money. You can't just wish the guy well. And as far as, as, far as that conversation went, that he says that I said someday I'll be back, I, I don't believe I ever said that. I don't think we had that much of a dialogue. Well, look who had the last laugh. You fast forward to today. You know our stock is almost six whole dollars. See right? there? See? We showed you. Yeah. <laughs> showed it you has, what you know. It has been six every once in a while. That's right. It's just <laughs> over six, like six dollars and a penny. So <laughs> who's laughing now, pal? <laughs> One day I predict we'll be at six dollars and fifty cents <laughs> in our lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Anyway, he finally died. I heard he was in bad shape. You know. Well, he was they. In- you know, once Sherry got a hold of him and got him away from all the women, we had yeah. we didn't hear from him. No, nah, there was nothing left to do. Poor no. guy. He's probably like, who cares? Give me women. Because my daughter's a buzzkill. I read the kill. obituary, and I was like, there's nothing in here about those last years where you were chasing him around <laughs> yeah. trying to get a hold of him and control yeah. him. But I like how he's an expert, you know. Uh, it'll never it'll never be successful, XM. Uh, he said serious. Uh, what? Yes, of course, serious, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Put your fucking teeth back in and calm down. Well, he was such a powerful man in the time that I did meet him. Yeah. He was with one of his wives, not his original wife, right. like one of the next or second or third or four. I don't know which number she was, mm-hmm. but of course he was in his probably in his late 70s, early 80s by then. Right. And he would come in and sit down. And like I said, I was there talking to him, saying hello. And all of a sudden his wife noticed I was wearing this necklace and she really liked it. And she starts, she interrupted him in mid sentence and said, Oh my God, where did you get that necklace? I love it. And then he tried to continue his sentence and she said, shut up. I'm talking. Wow. And I was like, that, Oh my the, God. That's bold. Yeah. yeah. It's like in the middle of the CBS suite. At the U.S. Open, she yelled at him. All mm. the executives were there. Everybody who worked at CBS, and wow. nobody knew what to do. Yeah. Shut up! I'm talking. Wow, well, there you go. <laughs> By the way, what is what time is it? Oh, it's man. I should take a break. It's eight twenty-one. 
Um, oh. Yeah. We'll take a little break. We'll come back. I'll uh, regroup. And I got it. I'm going to do a bunch of things for you today. And one of the things you're going to be fucking totally repulsed. Get ready to turn off your radios. I doubt anyone will last through this. I I listened to this. I, I wanted to throw up. This is a um, I'm going to take you to a convention where people are really into drinking their own urine. And uh, it is just disgusting. When did this happen? I hope it was pre-COVID. Yeah, it is. About a year ago. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> the guy, two of our guys went down to uh, this urine thing. Or maybe it's the cure. <laughs> it's called Water of Life Symposium, and we, we, we have a special report from there, but you're really going to throw up. It is insane. Are people drinking urine right in front of them? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, wait, wait, you're going to get so nauseous. You guys are all going to tune out. There's not going to be anyone left listening at the end of that segment. I'm telling you, if you and get through was, the. I was going to say, you got this in America. People were doing this yeah. in yeah. America. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Josh, in Florida. What up? Hey, Howard. Uh, quick question. So now that Les Moonves is ruined, can we hear the entire three point plan? While the third point, I can't tell you, uh, it is so devious and so brilliant. But the first plan, I actually, the first thing was, I had a, I held a press conference with the New York Times. I knew it would just fucking wreck. Les loves having a good, you know, reputation and loved having, um, you know, he didn't like negative things said about him. He's a CEO type, you know, I mean, now look at him, but. Uh, so I called a press conference immediately to completely expose the light onto this thing with the New York Times and several other outlets and immediately booked myself on the New York Times uh, on the uh, David Letterman show after the New York Times uh, interview. And uh, I wore the I hate Les Moonves shirt and just talked about the guy the whole time. The second part of the plan was I think I was going to fuck Julie Chen in front of Les, like climb <laughs> up in a chair. And no, no. What was the second part of the plan? Because I only think I got through one. The second, but yeah, I remember that, that was only the one. Yeah. Now, the second part of the plan was, oh, oh, yeah. I, I, OK, I had information on him. <laughs> that uh, and I guess, you know, in a weird way. I don't know what I just know the third part of the plan. I, I, I forget what pl phase two was. But I told him I was going to go ahead and do it. And it wasn't like um, but we, know, it was, we never it made was, it to phase two. I think I'm trying to remember what phase two. I, I know it's somebody I can check with to figure it out. Right. Phase two, I think I could tell you. But phase three, I never got to. But I got word to him that I was going to do it. And then he fucking said, you know, what? I don't think this is worth doing. You know, I, seriously, if you're going to fuck with me that bad, I will find a way to fuck you back. And I don't know that, it, you know, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to sit back and take it while you're suing me for nothing. But I mean, it wasn't anything, you know, it was stuff that was known and 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 the, and the phase three was so brilliant. Let's just say I was going to bring someone on the show. Remember the scene in The Godfather? When they oh, go, that's right. Yeah, I, I probably now. told you about this. Yeah, yeah. I had uh, already spoken with this person who was going to come on the air and just talk about it. <laughs> and uh, I let it be known. And they, I, that's when the whole lawsuit was over. He's just like, yeah, hey, okay. You know. Yeah, it was a scene right out of The Godfather. But, but the best part is he had to negotiate his way out of his own losses. Oh, yeah. He was like, how do we end this thing? And, I, and uh, you know, he didn't talk directly to me, but he talked to my lawyer. And he goes, how do we get this over with? This is so silly. The whole lawsuit so silly. And I go, yeah, exactly. But he couldn't just walk away. He had to give up something. No, oh, yeah, no, I, I was pissed. I mean, but it was a brilliant plan. And it was all for nothing. I mean, there was no reason to sue me. I mean, my goodness. It was just dumb. 
Oh, J.D. Yeah. So anyway, I, I don't want to say it because it involves some it involves someone else who's still alive and all that. You know what I mean? It would be weird. They, yeah. they uh, gotcha. but it, it, it was so great. When I had the plan, I was like, oh, he's going to cave in two minutes. Right after the Letterman thing, he started caving. <laughs> I just thought, and what did I do? I, you know, it's nothing illegal. I just go on TV and go, Les is a dick. He's a motherfucker. <laughs> and Letterman's sitting there laughing. That. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my God. I, I said, this, this is case is going to be dropped very soon. Did it take on the Letterman side or were they again? And, and what did I do with the um, with the um, with the New York Times and stuff? I just told them the truth. I just basically said, "Here's what I know: the truth will set you free." Uh, and I remember too. Um, I thought they were going to not allow me on Letterman, right? But Letterman was Letterman was great. It was like, "No, nope, we're having you on." So great. He loved it. He loved it. He loved it. Letterman loved me sitting there bashing his boss. Letterman was beside himself he with glee. He couldn't stop laughing. He was having such and a less, great time. And Les was between a rock and a hard place because he was like, if I cancel Howard coming on, Letterman's going to be all outraged and it's going to become a bigger story. So I'll just, you know, I'm sure it won't be that bad. And then it was that bad. <laughs> My whole appearance was that. Oh. JD found tape of uh, Sonny Fox. Sunny you want to hear what he said? Fox, yeah. Sonny yeah. Fox. There you go. Let me hear this guy. Six nineteen. Time to get up. Get moving. Here's Prince for you. See, he has a deep voice. Yeah, There's but he's like, this his nose is clogged. Doesn't matter. It, when you're one of those deep voice guys, the world is your oyster in radio. It's six nineteen. Yeah, they love it. <laughs> Here with Sonny Fox. Good morning, there. 6.23 a.m. 6.23. Thank you, Mr. Clark. Home of the new music playoffs. That's what you're on right now. Y100. Tonight, 8 o'clock, you vote for your favorite song and pick the one that'll be hits. Well, we hope you do anyway. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, guys who sound like that. I said, how am I going to get on radio if, if I, don't, I don't sound anything like these guys? And I got to figure out how to get on the radio. And... I don't know how it's going to happen because I just, I'm like, like I'd walk into these the radio stations and go, hello, hello, you know, like I try to sound like, I go, hello, my name is Howard Stern. I like to drop off a tape. You, and they go, you what's wrong? Like, you sound like <laughs> Mr. Clock. Yeah. I'd be like, <laughs> you know, I try, I was right out of college and my voice was like this because <laughs> I was nervous all the time. And, yeah. and I remember walking into these radio stations and I'd be like, oh, hello. Um, Howard, like, like, I'm, like, I'm like high pitch Eric trying to for, for, force his voice down. I'm going, right. Yeah, uh, excuse me, is Mr. Sonny Fox here? I would like to apply for a radio position. <laughs> What's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, See, so he, this guy had a voice. Been pretty good so far. It's partly cloudy for a forecast today. High 75. Not a bad day at all. 66. That's why my dad would tell me, you can't go into radio. He goes, you don't have a voice like these guys. <laughs> he would tell me. My, my dad would tell me. He, go, he says, I hear guys on the radio. You don't sound anything like the radio. You know, I, I would like go to these radio stations. And even the guys, when I would go try to get a job in Maine or like in, 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 in some Alaska, they all sounded like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, they, they still all had timber. Yeah. Like, where do you go to get a radio job if you don't sound like this? <laughs> I found Nobody one... who ever sounded like you ever yeah. thought of going into radio. Yeah. And like this guy probably didn't have to go to college. Right out of no. high school, he probably got, you know, you go, hello, I like a job in radio. Well, here, open up the fucking door. You sound I like a radio it. Read guy. Read this commercial. Yeah. Me, I'd walk in. Oh, hello. Uh, I'm trying to get a job in radio. They'd be like, you sound like a kid trying to buy alcohol. <laughs> Is this a phony phone call? Yeah. I found a radio station that would hire me. They paid $4 an hour. $4. <laughs> was it four or six? I don't know what it was. I don't it was, know. I think it was $4. $4. I know I made $96 a week. Being on the radio. <laughs> $96 a week. And they still took taxes.
the government took money Uncle out of Uncle Sam it. is amazing. Uncle Sam has really got a fucking wicked sense of humor. <laughs> You're going to take a dude who makes $96 a week and take money out of his paycheck? You know what? You're fucking crazy. And you know what killed? Like the cleaning person. They had a person who cleaned up once a week made more money than me. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, bro. You should have told him you would clean too. But guys <laughs> like this would. Money. My father would even yell at me. He goes, the people on the, the person who just graduated high school could get a job faster than you. <laughs> even if the, 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 if the, if the man who delivers the mail has a deep voice, he can get a job. You do not have a voice like that. So. Miami 67 at Y100. Oh, that is deep. Y100. And I would even, I, I went to a, a, a teacher who was supposed to teach me how to have a deep voice. How to lower your voice? Yeah, her name was Betty Ann Leesburg. She, she taught elocution and voice and she did the arthur lessack technique which is supposed to loosen up your voice and the, and she would she's had me doing the you still do and, that yeah yeah and then she and then she um had me um move my tongue to a different place on the roof of my mouth and you know and then and then i'd get on the radio and go hello <laughs> So the only place I could find uh, was a place that paid you $4 an hour. And I almost didn't get that job. <laughs> when did you have this? What was her name? Betty Ann? Uh, Betty Ann. Yeah. She would, you know, she would work with me. Yeah, I, I did it like three lessons and I go, this is useless. She had me breathing <laughs> into a tub of hot water. Oh. Yeah. I had to dunk my face in the hot water. It was supposed to open me up. You know, she, she was a very good teacher, but she's, I was hopeless. <laughs> and, you know, I'd be like, and then when I go visit these radio stations, everybody sounded like this. You know, everyone good. Yo, little brother, that's uh, Nolan Thomas, there. Eh? Yo, little brother. Yo, yo, little brother. Oh, <laughs> yo, little brother. Six thirty-nine with seventy-five. Six thirty-nine. I remember. I went. Up, I went up to WYSP. I would like to leave a tape for Mr. Sonny Fox. <laughs> nice. Oh, God. We should have talked to him at some point to see if he remembered listening to your tape. No, none of these guys did. No one cared about me. No one ever walked out. And went. I remember uh, Tony Berardini, who was the, the program director at WBCN, which is one of the biggest rock stations in the world. I walk in there with my tape, my college tape, and I go, excuse me, uh, I don't have an appointment, but if Mr. Mr. Berardini, I go, I don't have an appointment, but is Mr. Berardini here? I would like to talk on, baby. <laughs> and he came, he actually walked out to meet with me. Oh, wow. He sat in the lobby with me and took my tape personally and never heard from him. Now, did he remember that years later or did you remind no. him? I, I I told him and he goes, yeah, 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 I remember you. And I like, yeah, <laughs> And the other guy, Clark Schmidt, who ran WCOZ in Boston, he came out into the lobby. I was, oh, yeah. Hello, yeah, hello, Mr. Schmidt. Uh, my name is Howard Stern. Uh, I want to give you a damn. You know, I'm trying to sound What's like What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh. you Ewok. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speak up, you fucking Ewok. Speak up, you Ewok. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, and I remember the guy must have thought I was on drugs. He was like, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm graduating Boston University and uh, like to work on WZOZ. See the face you're making. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, and like, you know, in order to, in order to like, try to get my deep voice going, I, I, have, uh, I, have met, I have a lot of experience. I worked at the, the campus radio station. And, uh, and then I'd lie. I go, you know, I, I worked for two weeks at WNTN in Newton, Massachusetts, and I got fired. And they refused to pay me because I was so bad. And I go, also, I have some experience, WNTN Newton. And then I heard that. And he goes, oh, okay, we fired a few people from there. And he went and listened to my tape. And he goes, I don't think we have anything for you. <laughs> so Did he bad. leave you out in the lobby while he listened? No, no. He, no. uh. Okay. You know, and like I called him for a follow up phone call. Aye, he, did, he was nice enough to get on the phone and go, You suck, basically. <laughs> uh, 
interested in a position with WCOZ, uh, Boston's Rock. I'm a very big <laughs> fan of the station, and I think I could be an asset to your uh, to your format. <laughs> I think you're the reason they started locking the doors Yeah, <laughs> with yeah, that you, act. Yeah, you used to be able to walk right in. I would walk in. i go, hey, this is cool. <laughs> Everything was cool until they, learned, they listened to my tape. <laughs> you know, I was so bad on the radio. I am definitely a poster boy for hard work because I really put in like thousands of hours just to sound normal. On the radio, yeah. not even to sound good, just to sound normal. I bet you this guy sounded, this Sonny Fox must have sounded good the day he got on the air. He He's just a talk. natural. Yeah. yeah. Hey, everybody. Forecast for today, partly cloudy. <laughs> Pardon me. I have 75, oh. 66 in Miami and 67 at Y100. With more free tickets to go see the Pointer Sisters in concert this Saturday night. At the oh, man. I used to listen to the radio and go, what the fuck? I'm, I want to be on the radio and I don't sound anything like this. <laughs> why, I am a di- why doesn't my voice drop? Yeah, right. What? Please, God, put some hair on my balls. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hello. Uh, I mean, you know, and then you, I try to hang with these guys when I went up, like when I went up and saw the, the guy's name was Jim Jeffries at WBLM in Maine. Now I was now I was driving to Maine to try to find a job. <laughs> <laughs> Maine, like, 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 what do I know about there Maine? People up there, Bangor, Maine, WBLM, and Jim Jeffries comes out and he goes, "Hello, hello, Jim <laughs> Jeffries," and I go, "Hello, hello, Mister Jeffries." <laughs> hello, like a, I would like a I would, contest. I would very much like to work here in, in Bangor, and he goes, "You would?" Like he, he <laughs> was like he was what? like why. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, all right, I'll listen to your tape. And then I called him, and he was like, no, it's not going to happen. You can't work in Bangor, Maine. Uh, Imagine how bad I was. Hmm. Oh, whatever. No, you couldn't get away with, oh, hello, Mr. Clock. <laughs> oh, hello. Hello, Mr. Clock. Six, Come on, nineteen. Time to get up, get moving. Here's Prince for you. In Revolution. Purple rain, of course. Here with Sunny Fox. Good morning, there. 623 AM. 623. Thank you, Mr. Clock. Over the new music playoffs. That's what you're on right now. Why 100? Yeah, Mr. Clock was better on the air than I was. <laughs> but anyway, that guy, Sunny Fox, died and made me remember my early radio days of trying yeah. to get a job. And I never met the guy, but I always wanted a. I prayed he would somehow think I had talent and would hire me, but, you know, wasn't in the cards. But he worked at XM, and I didn't know that. Serious XM. And I didn't know that. I would have said hello to him. Must not have well, been here. It's probably yeah. down in Miami he was broadcasting from. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, but I guess they're having a funeral. I think Mr. Clock is going to be at the funeral. It's this word that he might Mr. throw himself Clark's in the car. Mr. Clock still around? Mr. Clock is still working, actually. He was working with Cousin Brucey. That's another weird radio story. What? Did you see this? Cousin Brucey was working here, you know, at Sirius XM. Yeah. He just uh, left because he's going to go do a... He's 84 years old. Imagine this. If I'm still doing this at 84, there's something wrong. I hope I live to 84. But this guy Sonny Fox died at seventy three. I mean, I mean, you know, it's crazy. And and cousin Brucey, I don't know. I'm guessing again. I have no inside information. I haven't talked to anyone, but I'm just guessing. Probably when we first got here, and and satellite radio was just in its birth. Somebody, some genius, must have said, "Hey, we better get cousin Brucey because he represents." You know, 60s and 70s and 50s music and, you know. Gives us some credibility. Right. So they probably hired him at way too much money. So Brucey at 84 already, you know, Cousin Brucey's dance party, a dance party at 84. <laughs> He's not dancing. Again, I'm guessing. But he probably, you know, he probably went to Sirius and said, hey, you know. Where's my new contract? Yeah, it's time to re-up. Like, re-up? <laughs> like, re when are you going to leave? 
I don't know that that's the case, by the way. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm conjuring up a possible scenario. Well, anyway, I guess when he left here, WABC said they'd give him a show on Saturday nights. WABC is an AM radio station. They probably got yeah. nothing going on. And they're, they're going to give Cousin Brucey another dance party. Oh, it's going to be called Cousin Brucey's Saturday Night Rock and Roll Party. Oh, my goodness. On AM, you know, on WABC AM, which is a talk station. But who is going to tune into that? I mean, I don't even know what is going on over there. But they they hired Cousin Brucey. And I like I mean, Cousin Brucey is a nice guy. You know, I wish him well. But they, they interviewed him. They said, well, why are you going to WABC? He goes, I miss it. I miss it. I miss being on the radio. I miss being on AM radio. And I miss doing the commercials. He misses radio. He misses, he misses the, the commercials. Yeah, he wants to do commercials. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's what How's he said. going to do commercials? Who's buying? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I swear the quote was, I wish I had it. What he time goes, on, on a Saturday night are they playing this? I don't know. He says he looks forward to getting back to delivering commercials, which he didn't have to do. It's serious. Like... Like, I don't know one radio guy who enjoys doing commercials. Right. Nobody ever left a station because they couldn't do commercials. It's like playing football because you like concussions. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like but you, you, you miss reading the commercials. I guess maybe it's a knock against satellite. What are you, how are you going to knock satellite? Yeah, you know, they're so crummy over there. They don't play any commercials. It's not fun. This is all people wanted to, to stop having to do commercials and interrupt them speaking. Yeah. Well, anyway, so he, he left our company and he's going to WABC at 84. Hey, God bless him. You know, I wish him luck. Never did anything bad to me. Got the biggest fucking cock, according to Richard. Really? Richard saw it? Yeah, well, that's Richard's move when we used to work in a building with other people. Richard would, if he saw a famous person, he would go to the urinal and take a peek and see what's doing in their pants. Is he subtle or does he get caught doing this? Howard, we were discussing this the other day and, you know, there's there's partitions. So is Richard like leering over a partition? We couldn't figure out how he saw Cousin Brucey's dick. He's he's absolutely Uh, leering. And guys with big dicks anyway like you to see it. It's a co- complete uh, hoax that they don't enjoy that. They love it. What happened, Richard, if you can give us the blow-by-blow? Well, I wasn't exactly leering. I, I, Brucey was next to me at the urinal. I just saw it at the corner of my eye. When did he, he was walk done. over? Did he? Were you peeing and he walked over, or did you walk over next to him? I walked over next to him. Yeah, exactly. That would creep me the fuck out because I got a small dick and I'd be like, you know what? Can't this, there's like 10 fucking urinals here. This asshole's right next to me. That's when I freeze up. I can't pee if that happens. I mean, it probably was in the back of my mind. Well, maybe I'll get to see a famous wiener. And I, so what happened is like he's done and all of a sudden I see him shaking his arm like real hard. Like Vigorous. he's doing a lasso, like a, doing a whip. <laughs> <laughs> and he's whipping his dick because it's so big. I'm like, man, look at Brucey. He's, look at that piece home. of meat. Yeah. Did you see it for real or just his arm motion? Mostly his arm motion. I didn't like. I didn't want to look over because he's nice too. He's talking to me while he's doing it. Oh my! So I, I didn't want to like just be a total creep and look over. But out of the corner of my eye, I saw him whipping this big dick. How many cocks have you seen in that uh, serious bathroom? I mean, you're pretty into it. <laughs> See, everyone goes to me. You know, I'm what they call pee shy. I know why I'm pee shy because I don't have a big dick. And I don't like I literally press my entire body into the urinal if I have to be forced to use one because I just don't want anyone seeing. So I end up peeing all over my pants. <laughs> and it's like it's embarrassing. And, and it's like because my dick barely gets out of my fly. I got nothing to shake. Like I got to hold it with two fingers. My thumb and my forefinger. Oh, and I just, I hold, I just you, hold the head. If I so, saw you at a urinal, I would I would totally go next to you. Exactly. To that's why I like quarantine. No one sees my dick. <laughs> never but do I, you never use a stall though? What yeah, about going into a even stall? In, even in a stall, I'm nervous. Like I, I can't pee in public and it's like it's horrible. Like I try to push and it just doesn't happen. If you're uh, in that, there alone, you can go. Kind of. 
maybe if I sit down, but standing, it's just, it's just, I get very nervous around people. I never could pee. Even like when my dad would take me into the city, you know, my parents would take me in and they'd tell me, I'd be squirming in my seat because I had to pee so bad. And then he'd go, 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 go in the men's room and pee. And my father would whip his cock out like in some of those, the the old days, they used to have these like, like bathtubs you'd piss into in a men's room. My old man. Like baseball stadiums, they have those big troughs. Yeah. Yeah. My dad has a pretty big cock. I've seen it a bunch of times, and it's like, man, he's like such a man. And then, like, I'd be like, I, he goes, what's wrong with you? Why don't you pee? And I'd be like, I, I can't, I can't. And, and the whole ride home, I'd be squirming in my seat. Oh, well, I took you to a man's room and you should have peed. It was just horrible. And, and like, I, you know, people used to say to me, why are you nervous? No one's looking at your cock. Meanwhile, there's Richard looking at Cousin Brucey's cock. Richard's right next to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's true. Guys do look. There are guys who I'm, do look. I'm dying to see your cock, Howard. I've seen Fuck your pubes. You. You've shown me. How do you see your pubes? Well, those I'll show you. I'll show you my pubes. Somebody like was wondering if Howard had gray pubes, and I you don't. showed me that they're dark black. Yeah. Yeah. But why are you mad that I want to? I think you're hung, and I think you're just making no, this up. No, no, no. I'm not lying. I don't lie. I got no cock. I'm. I'm telling you, I got nothing. I'm not packing <laughs> shit. I, I I bone up pretty good. It's crazy for having you're a little nubbin. Out of shower. <laughs> well, I have a nubbin, and then all of a sudden, I got I can pull six inches out. With well, a big then bone show up. me hard. Show me you hard. I don't want to show it to you. I don't Why want. Why going to show it to you hard? Yeah, I don't want you to see it. I show it to my wife. <laughs> After she has a good laugh, then she then he, she uh, he gets gets himself hard to show it to you. No, well, I just hate being in front of people, and I know there are people who look, and it's Richard. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that hard not it. to look when he's swinging it around like it's a big rope. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so cousin Brucey's gonna. He's he excited. was a really. Sweet guy, too. Really, always nice and serious. Here's your old friend, Cousin Bruce. Miss reading commercials. 84, he still wants to be on WABC AM. God bless him. I got to get out. By 84? Fuck. He loves it. He loves spinning records. Hmm. That's it. There aren't even any records anymore. Yeah, I know. I don't know how he's going to do it. Maybe he just pre-records it. I don't know what he does, but you know what? I remember I saw him in the hall one time, and he um, he grabbed me, and like we did like a picture, and we had like a fake fight. Like He put his fist up to me, and right. I was like, oh, this is really lame. Like He's my enemy, and I'm like, no offense. You're kind of like. Not in my league, but all right. Well, I'll go along with it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's fine. I like the picture. You know, it's Brucey making a face, and he's got his fist up, and I got my fist up. I don't even think I put my fist up. Don't you miss Bruce. that getting accosted by people when you walk in the lobby? It's Let serious. me tell you. I don't like that we have a pandemic, but I got to tell you, there's a couple of pluses, and one of them is not having a dude that fucking running the gauntlet of some they, like for the worst people are famous people. I go into that Sirius XM lobby, and I'm leaving my studio, and God bless me, I don't give a fuck if you're famous. I don't, I don't even want to talk to you if you're famous. Famous people think you want to talk to them. They don't get it. I don't give a shit that you're famous. So I walk out in here, all of a sudden you're Howard, Howard, Howard. And, you know, and I go, oh, Ronnie, who is that? Just who is it? And then it'll be, I don't know, who, who's like, you know, it's somebody, you know, they have some degree of fame. Like they might even be from a reality show or something. And they're Howard, Howard, Howard. They, they assume that I'm going to want to stop and see them. And take a picture. Then they go, and they're always with their publicist. These people seem to have, I, they always walk them with a publicist. And, and the, the publicist go, would you take a picture with, uh, you know, Schmenrick? And I, I go, oh, hey, man, I'm a big fan, but I got I to gotta go. I, I'm late for a, a doctor appointment. That's what I'd say. You know, you just don't know who it's going to be. 
and they pull you into their radio show sometimes like Al Roker did. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's And then it's like Balky or Snooky or, you know, somebody. What, what happened to Robin? Where'd she go? That's what I was wondering. Oh, where are you? I don't see you. I'm trying to get back to you. Oh, what Everything happened? Everything went dark for a moment. Really? I'm Robin I now. My, I don't know. must have been a brownout or something. I don't know. Suddenly I'm doing a show with Richard and I'm not too happy about it. <laughs> I could leave if you. I was waiting for you to kick me out. No, like... Hey, how'd you like Metallica the other day? Oh, I got my you. God. That was, I mean, that was incredible. And, again, the, the sound engineers that Sirius has, like, I was listening to it again because, you know, when we listen here, it's over Zoom. And so I wanted to hear what it sounded like over the air. It was incredible. It sounded like yeah. one of their albums. Um, yeah, but, yeah, really that was good. amazing. Oh, and their stories. Nicest guys, too. I mean, they oh, really super are. super nice. Yeah. And it's cool, like, you know, in a lot of interviews, James doesn't really talk much in interviews, and you were able to get a lot out of James, which was awesome. You know, yeah, and so Kirk had was, some good stories, too. and Kirk, too, yeah. 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 All the boys. Yeah, everybody what? was uh, chiming in. Yeah. It was just nice. That was a lot of fun. Mm. I like those guys so much. It was great Me to too. have a a band and live music back. Yeah. Felt a little bit like old times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Lars's Lars's drums were so massive sounding. They just sounded great. Yeah, what it, what, what kind of drums does he play? Is there is there something to that, like a certain type of kit that you should have? Um, well, from what I've heard, he plays Tama, but I think in the studio like he used the same kick drum, I think, on the album and Justice for All that he did, uh, the black album. Just, I think it was a Gretsch kick drum, like an older drum, but a lot of people use Gretsch drums in the studio. They just sound real natural and, and, uh, they're great for the studio. So I think in the studio he uses Gretsch. I'm not sure. Yeah, Cause that's what I was asking James. I go, James, does it matter what guitar you play? Like, do you, and he, he said, yeah, I mean, you know, I can get different sounds out of different guitars and I love talking to musicians. Uh, anyway, and his sticks, like Lars's sticks, are crazy. They're not, as far as I know, they're not wood sticks. They're like metal, but surrounded in hard plastic. And really, and just the sound he gets. Yeah, when he hits the drums, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I noticed the sticks look different. They didn't look like wood. Yeah, they're black, like black sticks with a kind of a metal rod. Richard's thing just went kablooey. Say something. Say something. That's not me. I'm muted. I think that's Robin. I think that might be me. <laughs> cool. Cool. Because I just. Oh dear. I'm trying to. Hey. Hi. Hi. She sounds like Mr. Clock. What's a good song with Echo? I could do it. <laughs> Is there anybody in there? Is that better? Is there anybody in? Oh, it's gone. All right. Hey, I tell you what, I'm going to take a break. I kind of play you this um, this urine thing. Have you heard it, Richard? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's right up my alley, but I yeah. think people will be grossed out. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be grossed out when I play you that. I also, um, I, I got a million things to get to. So let me take a break and, uh, and we'll come right back. Sonny Fox. Remember this song, Big Country? In a big country, I love this song. What happened to these guys? What One hit, that's it? They were good. The song was good. Yeah, you thought there was going to be more. Yeah, right? And then I think they had a follow-up song, and it sounded exactly like this. <laughs> <laughs> But this was a good song. I thought it was interesting. They were big country and the song was in a big country. Yeah, I don't like that. I didn't like that. 
like what you couldn't come your band's name is big country and your song is in a big country like you can't come up with something else like that's like if howard stern released a song called hi i'm howard stern (laughs) (laughs) it's like if the beatles first song was uh look there's a beetle (laughs) <laughs> or something, you know, or Beatles are bugs. Like if Metallica had a song called We're Metallica. Bullshit. Bad Company had a song called Bad Company. But yeah. They had a bunch of other hits, so they get forgiven for that. But Howard... I, I yeah. remember um, hearing like uh, um, Alice and Steel because the name of the album was Bad Company. So she would go like, "Here's Bad Company" by Bad Company off the album Bad Company. Yeah, I've done that rap. Uh, here's what it sounded like. This is uh, Howard Stern, and uh, here's Bad Company with Bad Company from Bad Company. And then they'd lock me back up in the mental institution because that's what I did for a living. <laughs> the monkeys did Hey, Hey, We're the Monkeys, but that was a TV show and they got forgiven for that. But I thought, you know, yeah. 47 degrees here at WNBC. Bad company, bad company, bad company. <laughs> cool. Hit the post, hit the post. Oh, fuck yeah, hit the post. You just. You just don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who cares? Most of these guys on radio don't care if you know what they're talking about or not, as long as they sound good. Yeah. Two minutes past nine, nine oh two. I've seen a lot of guys do that. They give you the time two different ways. One time on the air, Robin can attest this. I gave the time three different ways. Very few people could do that. It's like two minutes past nine, nine oh two. Two past the hour. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Who says I can't be professional? Nine. What time is it, Mr. Clock? Nine. Right. There's my Mr. Clock. Nine. Nine, yeah. nine, 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 nine. Thank you, Mr. Clock. Nine. Anyway, I, uh, yes, yes, Mr. Clock. We know it's nine. I, uh, um, yes, I heard that. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Clock is broken. Yeah, a lot of people wrote us about Metallica. They liked that from last week. Uh, a lot of people like Sal. People loved when Sal came on the air and once again gave us a grammatical gaffe. Oh. Rush and roulette. Say, what? Yeah, what did Sal do Prevail. last week? I forgot about Rush and roulette. I played that for my wife and uh, and she said to me, he's kidding, right? I go, no. He thinks it's Rush and Roulette. Yeah, I was telling some friends about that. They were dying laughing. They couldn't believe it. Sal is hilarious. Whatever they pay him, it's not enough. He is truly the gift that keeps on giving. I literally laughed out loud at Sal's Rush and Roulette fuck up. I wonder if he would say open sesame or open sesame. Sesame. There are no, there's no way that Sal is that stupid. Um, Thank God for Sal during these terrible times. I was walking my dog when Sal said rush and roulette, and I started laughing out loud. The man is a brilliant idiot. (laughs) And people love Sal's latest coronavirus pizza prank call. Bravo, Sal. That pizza prank call made me cry with laughter during the show on Wednesday. Holy hell, you guys are on a roll. Damn right we are. Uh, Sal's latest prank call was hilarious. He's always entertaining. I can't wait for the next phony phonathon. Sal's coronavirus pizza prank call was the greatest. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. What a talent. What a talent. You know, he does come through. He, he does, does come through. The boy has a gift for annoying people, and he uses it well. Yes, Gary. I got such a great email from a friend the other night. He said that he was hanging out with his 16-year-old kids, the whole group of kids, and they recently discovered the show. So they were asking him about Beetlejuice and Gary the Conqueror. And then he put this line in here. He goes, the one funny question was, and I'm totally 200% serious. The kids asked, 
is Sal really that stupid? They all think it's a bit. I said, no, Sal is Sal. Yeah, no, there's no, you can't write that stuff. You can't, you know, you can't like program Sal. Sal, today, go Sal on the air. Sal does not act. No, he's not an yeah. actor. You couldn't write Rush and Roulette. It's just no way. The best uh, part of that whole thing to me was how you broke it down to teach him yes. what he was doing wrong. It was just brilliant. Well, he loves to be taught. He loves to learn. He does. <laughs> he was so teach. funny when he said, you know, you kept having him say it. He goes, I'm beginning to think there's something wrong. <laughs> right. Now, but he uh, had no idea what it was. No, no, he was just, I, I just, I don't know what's going on. And I know I'm being an idiot, but I don't know why. Don't know much about history. 50s, I would say Vietnam War. Don't know much biology. I am a turtle. Don't know much about the science book. Protons. Oh, boy. Don't know much about the French I took. Where is the Eiffel Tower? Don't know much about 